Hey everyone, this is episode 20 of the Food About Town podcast. My name is Chris Lindstrom and I'm your host. This week I talked to Paul Guglielmo from Guglielmo Sauce, found in all fine retailers of food. You can also find him on the 95.1 Morning Show, the Brother Wee's show, where he's the producer, and also on his Wham 1180 Food and Wine show on Saturdays. This was a great conversation we had about food, where his sauce came from, and also about his passions, including radio and comedy. We had a lot in common, so I, I think it turned out really well. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Uh, please tune in next week for the next episode of the Food About Town podcast. I'm really trying to keep this a once-a-week thing, trying to keep it consistent, and I hope you're enjoying doing it. Hope, <laughs> hope you're enjoying listening to it as much as I am recording it. So, tune in next week, and enjoy. Did I get that right? You got it. You nailed it. You awesome. Did, you, can, you can, literally, you can pronounce it any way you want. Yeah, I, you can butcher it. I mean, yes. we, we have enough Italians here where we really shouldn't be butchering Italian names yeah. anymore. Right. It, like, it, here it is. It's Guglielmo or Guglielmo. My grandfather used to answer the phone Guglielmo. In Italian, <laughs> it's really Guglielmo, which translates into American to Guglielmo Williams. So right. I have plenty of family who's Williams. Really? So you can't do it wrong. See, my mom's family's <laughs> Williams, and I think there was some English background. Yeah. Because that's really, like, Williams is, like, straight out of England kind of name. Yeah, yeah, sure. But yeah. my family, the other side, is mostly German, although I have a Swedish last name. Yeah, all right. I, I just don't get. Yeah. <laughs> You're uh, German-Swedish. That's pretty good. You're very angry, yet very peaceful. Yes, very angry. And, you know, people should watch out a little bit. You never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so we're here talking about food today, at least for most of it. And I think we'll transition to some other stuff. Sure. Because I think we have a few crossover interests here and there. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so... So if you don't know Paul, Paul is on the uh, Brother Wee show on 95.1 in the mornings. Yep, yep. And he also does a food and wine show on Wham 1180. Yep. And it's what, four weeks in now? Yeah, yeah. This uh, tomorrow, well, I guess um, Saturday. Yeah, it's f- four or five weeks in. Uh, about one month in, just starting to really get the hang of it. Um, but a brand new thing, Saturdays from noon to one, it airs. But then I also, in the spirit of podcasting, mm. take it and put it up online immediately because uh, you know I'm a big fan of podcasting. I'm a big fan of on demand and click sure. to listen. And, and um, so I make sure that it gets up online. Yeah, and I did notice that. I was, yeah. I went back and listened to the first first four yeah i really like what it's what it's doing what i'm trying to get to yeah, right it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's weird because yeah. it's i don't listen to live radio much anymore yeah it's weird that be, it's so fast yeah yeah it's it's an hour but it's so fast because of the commercial breaks yeah that it's i'm used to the long form discussions yeah like you're getting to a lot of good topics and i think some of the guests have been good i like the red wings guy a lot yeah yeah, yeah. um it, it's weird because you you know it's there's you know some sponsory kind of stuff and yep. it it is fast but it's I like the direction you're going. It's interesting. Well, thank you. It's it is a different world. Commercial radio is different than what we're doing right now. Of course, this is all the fun in the world. Right. Not, not that commercial radio is not. I have a blast but, doing it, of course. But there are rules and regulations. There absolutely. are things you got to do, and and you're right. It's fast, and um, you know, it's an hour show, um, but it's forty minutes. 
it's 40 really? minutes and it's really 10 minutes at a time. Yeah. Which is the crazy part because, you know, you bring in, you know, Janine Wesley from, from Avino, who I've talked to. She's a fascinating person. Yeah. And you get, you know, eight minutes. Eight minutes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? And, and in Radio 101, if you will, uh, they'll tell you that eight minutes is long. They'll, yeah. they'll tell you five is more where you want to be. Right. Well, you um, got to cut into a song next. They'll they'll say they'll say you know att- human attention spans and and studies and tests and surveys we've done and studies we've done and 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 it, research we have that shows that f- after five minutes you might start to lose some people because wow. you're going on and on. and and maybe maybe I don't know I don't know I'm not an expert I don't you know, know that's but. the thing I'm sure they're right mm-hmm. but for for those that those that don't like that it's amazingly uh, it turns you off right away. Yeah. Especially if you're used to the long form, if you like those discussions. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm going to listen every week because it's, <laughs> it's food, you. it's food talk in Rochester and I yeah. like more of it. Yeah. Well, for, thank you. Yeah. And I, and I, and I hope to only get better. My, my goal is for the four episodes you've heard to be the four worst episodes I've ever done. That's a great goal. That's my plan. You Absolutely. Know? I want it to just keep getting better because I'm, I'm obviously I, I'm going to hit, try and hit my stride, but you're right. I find myself start uh, ending every show going, I didn't get to anything. <laughs> I missed half the stuff I meant to get to. There's been weeks before, like the week that I had Charlie Fitzsimmons on, yeah, from Black and Blue, who I did three segments with. It but was it, very interesting. I thought so. You know, I mean, he interests me a lot because he. St- I like people who start from scratch. Um, and he didn't, you know, he didn't have a restaurant handed to him. Um, he didn't even grow up really rich. I mean, he, is, he didn't grow up poor either. He grew right, up in right. Brighton. He grew up, you know, I, I don't know if the word normal's right, but he grew up well. It's, off, it sounds but, average. Yeah, but but his, his, you know, they didn't run a restaurant. He didn't right. know anything about running a restaurant. He just said, I think I'm going to open a bar. And now he owns some of the nicest restaurants in the area. Yeah, it's interesting. He's a guy, I, he's in, interesting to hear the story, a guy I'd like to talk to. And... You know, part of the discussion I'd like to have with someone like that is from from a, you know, I do restaurant reviews as part of my hobby, you know, for the city paper and my own site. Like, I wouldn't rate them as some of the best restaurants in Rochester, just straight based on food. I love the design. I think they're really serving Rochester well. And I, I'm the discussion, you know, some of the questions I'd like to ask are like, what are the compromises? How do you decide how to make that food? Uh-huh. You know, how do you go in certain directions? Th- that's those would be the interesting questions for me. Yeah. Well, from- he he touched on it a little bit. If you remember, he had he had mentioned it first that his first couple tries at it, like JoJo's was his first, and he had talked about how he had an executive chef, mm-hmm. and he talked about being held hostage by the chef. Not that he had a terrible situation with the chef, but that sure. the chef gets to pick the menu, and right. the chef gets to hire his staff. And Charlie is sitting there going, oh, well, I'm the owner of the restaurant. Shouldn't I have more say? So then when he right. decided to do Black and Blue, he said, I'm going to pick the menu now. Yeah. I'm, so, you know, it, it, and, and the chef that I hire is going to go by what I've chosen to do. I think it's, it's an interesting, interesting differing paths. Uh-huh. You know, the chef-owned restaurant versus the owner-owned restaurant. Uh-huh. You know, and you see... Uh, did you see the movie Chef? Oh yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. I loved it, and that yeah. those first scenes yeah. just capture that perfectly. Is it Dustin Hoffman? Is that right, the yeah, owner? It was, yeah. yeah, it was Dustin Hoffman. And well, where do you stand on it? Do you th- who do you think should have the ultimate final say? The owner, who's got skin in the game financially, or the chef, who's got the creative artistic touch? I, I think it's hard because the the owner has to be the arbiter. They're the one whose money's on the line. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I find myself enjoying the places that are owned by the chef mm-hmm. to be, they tend to be a little more my taste mm-hmm. 
because I think they edge more towards the chef's passions. Yeah. And I think the best food comes from those kind of places. Yeah, yeah, sure. That's not to say you can't get great food from a place like that. You know, good luck. You know, it's he's not the chef. The owners aren't the chef. They're, they have a chef. They run towards his style. It's still a very good restaurant. Yeah. But, you know, is, you know, the example I always, one of the examples I like is uh, Itacate out in Penfield. I've never been. Uh, Mexican restaurant. Uh Uh, Real Mexican food was uh, reviewed in the DNC this week. Um, It's, it's real Mexican food. It's not playing necessarily to the taste of Rochester. You wouldn't get that with a corporate owner or a, a businessman. A businessman wouldn't make that restaurant. It's not smart. Right, it's right. not. It's not the smart yeah. restaurant to make. Yeah. Um, but for me, that that's the place I love. Yeah, sure. So I know you like your authentic Mexican. I've been listening to this Food About Town podcast. Good <laughs> stuff. I do love my Mexican food. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard to find. Yeah. Because we have one and a half places that do real Mexican food. So that's the place you're saying is good for authentic Mexican. Th- that's my that's preference. Now, authentic. It's a hard word to use. I think it edges more towards the traditional. Mm-hmm. I've talked to the owner and the chef, and I know where his recipes come from, so I feel confident about that. Uh-huh. But that's not to say there aren't traditional touches at you know Monte Alban or something like yeah, that either. Sure. Yeah, I haven't done enough touring of Mexican. You know, I, I of course I like Mexican food. Look at me, I like all food. Um, but um, <laughs> me too, buddy. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I honestly I haven't dove very deep into Mexican restaurants at all in town. You know, I've never been. I've never been to the place to both those places you just mentioned. Yeah, it's interesting. It's because Mexican food is one of the foods I get when I travel. So if I'm in San Francisco or Chicago or Seattle, I'll make it a point to get Mexican food in that area. Yeah. Either, um, I don't want to use the word low class, but, you know, um, cheaper street food. You know, actually, if you drive out to Medina, there's taco stands on the side of the road. Nice. Like real four migrant worker taco stands. Yeah. And they're a buck. Buck and a quarter of taco. Oh, I love it. And it's real deal. Yeah. But you can't get that here. Right. You know, it's, it's different. Um, but those are the places I love. And yeah. I, I love going to visit those places. Or going to the city and going to uh, El Latino. It's a uh, Dominican place over on Child Life. Uh-huh. Love that stuff because it's food for real people. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Then again, I went to the kitchen last week for my wife's birthday. And that's $95 a person. <laughs> and now, now, that's my guest on my next food show, is uh, Joseph Sapola. Show is a great guy. Now, you've had him on before, I right? I have. Back he, in his catering days, right? Yeah, it was, it was uh, when, just when, uh, when uh, Dave, I don't know how he likes to be referred to sometimes, but uh, Dave, David Romaine and uh, Joseph Sapola just uh, came together to do the new Sapola Romaine uh, company where they're doing a lot of catering. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they still do that even with the kitchen? They're doing. A, I think they're they huge into the catering. They actually bought a. Uh, I think it's operational for this year. The wood fired catering rig, so they're gonna be doing like you know wood roasted stuff for large catering events. And it's good to know you helped me do my show prep for. Uh, <laughs> See, this <laughs> usually is... my Friday nights are studying my Saturday guests. Oh, this is easy. So See, this is great. Yeah, I, I, I know Joe and Dave pretty well. Um, Joe, I know Joe's wife, actually. She used to work at the radio station where I work. She was in sales, and for a while, she she bumped up. She was a boss. She was in New York City for a while, actually. Yeah. Yeah, she had, and then she came back and was our boss for a while, and she moved on at some point. I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know what she does now, but, um, but when the kitchen opened up, and as you know, that used to be Flower City Pasta. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and John Statt, the owner of Flower City Pasta, is the guy who really helped me, uh, get started with my sauce business. He's the guy who I went to for advice first and gave me those first couple steps oh, that that's I didn't awesome. know. Yeah. 
Uh, and so anyway, so that space there is is very. Um, it's important to me that space where the mm. kitchen is now. And what night were you there? Because I was there a week ago tonight, Friday night. You know, I think it at was at the kitchen. I mean, was it last Friday? It might have been last Friday, or I would have seen. What I, I think it would've... might have been the week before. We would have well, recognized each other. You know, it couldn't have been sure. the same night. Yeah, yeah. What it was? No, it was the week before. Okay, all right. So, I missed you by a week. Yeah, missed <laughs> by a week. I thought th- I thought it was. I'm still writing my review. Uh huh. But. Was it still the the Wagyu steak? Yep, same know? same menu. I think he's just about to switch it now. Just about to switch. Yeah. What were your thoughts? I mean, um, okay, so I am trying very hard not to be overly fancy. Like sure. on the food show, I'm trying to be a regular guy. Yeah. And I'm not trying not to. So it was a little over my head, fancy wise. Sure. You know. And I think that's fair. Yeah, it was a little over my head. That's not to say it wasn't completely delicious. Right. I, I didn't dislike anything I had. Um, it was um, it was an interesting experience. I I felt bad calling it a restaurant. Uh, we were talking about it, Ryan, my girlfriend, and I, and and I and she called it a restaurant. I said, it almost isn't a restaurant. It's almost like an experience or something because of the way it's set up. Um, for anyone who's not familiar with it, it's this little spot in Pittsburgh, right in the village, and it's uh, a seven course meal, and the chef prepares everything pretty much right in front of you. Uh, it's very limited seating. It's like I think eighteen, right? Eighteen or twenty, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Very limited seating and. And you have to make reservations pretty far ahead. I think they're at least a month out at this point. Yeah, which I'm I'm thrilled about. I yeah. mean, if they're if you're going to do it, I'm thrilled that they're getting supported. Yeah, yeah, and um and you get seven courses, which means your courses are small. You're really just getting a taste of a bunch of different things. Um, and I can't, I don't remember it all right off the top of my head, but I think the very first thing was some calamari, uh, clam, um, and it was like a he had done an egg yolk. That he had, and I heard him describing it. It was like yep. a, a he said he, he baked it at 141 degrees for an exact amount of time, and it turned into like a pudding. Yeah, so and I, I had can never. Actually, I can actually explain that. Okay, to you please do. How they yeah, do it. Yeah. So the technique is called. It's referred to as sous vide, which is not. It's actually a French term that means under vacuum. Mm-hmm. But what it's that's the colloquial term for immersion circulating cooking. So it basically is you put the food in a plastic bag, and you put it in a water bath. And there's this heater. I actually have one in the kitchen. Yeah. I'm about to use to cook a corned beef. Oh, you're the man. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, so you turn it. You turn this uh, machine to a certain temperature. In that case, uh, you know, 141 Fahrenheit or whatever it was, and you can cook it for any amount of time you want at a temperature within a half degree, and it holds that water. So this, when it gets up to temperature, it holds it exactly that for as long as you want to cook it. Wow. So. The easy explanation for that is you can cook an egg where the outside's custardy. Yeah. yeah. And then when the inside just gets nice and smooth like yeah, that, yeah. which is what he did. Um, or like if you want to cook a steak, if you like your steak medium rare like a sane human being, yeah, yeah, you can cook your steak to exactly 130 degrees or 135, and then you just sear the outside and you're done. Oh, dude. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, it was delicious, that little egg yolk, and I, I was sitting there looking at it, and if he hadn't told me what it was, and if I hadn't seen it on the menu, I'm going, would I have recognized it? You know, would I have known what it was? And maybe, I don't know, maybe, yeah. because it looked like an egg yolk, obviously. It did. But it was delicious, and, and I had never had that before in my life. It, I, and that I don't was think great. it had that preparation, but it's, it is very different because it's such a different texture from what we're used to an egg being. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the other courses, but the main courses um, was a halibut, I think, Alaskan halibut. Yeah. And uh, that melted in my mouth. Cooked I thought, the same way, actually. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it melted in my mouth. It was like just 
perfect. It yeah. was really perfect. And the steak that he had, mm. um, he described it as an extraordinary cut of beef. And it certainly was. It, it certainly was. And it was cooked, as you mentioned, probably pretty much exactly right. It was rare, maybe just a little bit past rare. Yep. And um, I, I thought it was good. I love that the dessert was his grandmother's recipe. See, I like the story. I didn't really like the baklava very much. No, I, it was very rich. It was very rich, but yeah, I, I was, liked it. You know. Yeah, I mean, for me, it was a little over the top. Uh-huh. And I, I mean, after the the style of everything going up to the last dish, yeah, it was very it was disjointed. It didn't make a dessert. Uh huh. And it's not to say it didn't have some tasty things. I actually thought the cotton candy was the best thing on the plate. That was interesting. Cotton candy, right? Yeah. As part of the dessert. I mean, when's the last time you've been to a restaurant where cotton candy was the <laughs> dessert? I thought that was great. So I, you know, and I'm glad you brought up the cotton candy because between the cotton candy and the egg yolk, I thought that it was a delicious meal. Um, I thought it was good. It had a lot of substance over the course of seven courses. They might be small, but you end up eating a lot of food. I was full. Yeah, I was full too. And I'm a fat guy. So, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and honestly, and I thought it was pretty creative. And I liked that there was everything from very, you know, like you just explained to me that egg yolk thing. Sure. There was everything from fancy to this was my grandmother's recipe. And I liked that. Yeah. And also I liked his demeanor. He's very serious as he a is. chef. And uh, my favorite part of the entire thing is after he would explain the course, he would pause and then he would go, enjoy, and walk <laughs> away. <laughs> like as quick, like, enjoy. And he was gone. Absolutely. And, and I just said, I'm going to tease him about it on the show yeah. that we, he's, he's going on. He's definitely a serious guy, but I, I really like him not only as a chef, I like him as a person. He's a really genuine guy. And he's a, one, one of the chefs I've, I definitely enjoy talking to because he, yeah. he's very passionate. Yeah, and of course, my girlfriend says he's hot. Well, you could say that, sure. To, to which I said to you, well, you know what? So's his wife. So <laughs> we're even as we're out on our date night. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So stepping back because kind of why I had you over here was um, you do have your own uh, pasta sauce. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, I'd call it a tomato sauce more than a pasta sauce because yep. I think it's pretty versatile. Yeah, it's we made it nice and thick so you could use it on pizza because at one point the thought was maybe I would do a pizza sauce and then I said um, probably a bad marketing idea but you know just as a regular guy I said well let me just make the sauce nice and thick I didn't want to have nice thin I didn't want thin sauce I I did my research you know sure. I, and by research all I did I mean I tried every sauce you could find everything right. from the cheapest of the cheap to the most expensive mm-hmm. and. A lot of watery sauces. A lot of them. And it, it, well, it's easy to spread your spread your ingredients out sure. and water it down. Yeah, sure. If I mean, yeah, I had you know at one point there was a point in developing this where it was how much water should we add yeah. because it was like really thick. I mean, sure. it was all it was way thicker than it is in the jar now. Right. And it was okay. We need to get this down to a so how much water do we add? And it was you add water, and every time you add water, you watch your price per jar come down because right. water is free. You know, oh, yeah. pretty much free. So it, it's tempting to keep adding water. Absolutely. So I see why they do it. You oh, know, because yeah. <laughs> you can get your price down there by sure. making it nice and thin. But I didn't want to do it. It was to me. I said from day one. I said I wanted it to be good, not necessarily cheap. Yeah, so. it, it's not, but I think the price point's very reasonable. And if you don't mind the price point, I yeah, okay, most stores it's six dollars a jar, five ninety nine, pretty much everywhere. I can't always control that. You know, sure. it's up to whoever is selling of it. But um, but five ninety nine in in ninety five percent of the stores, it's five ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, and for for a product made in Rochester and yeah. a product where you're using a real recipe, and it's the way I tasted it, I tasted the traditional marinara, uh-huh. and it tasted it had the it was definitely a cooked sauce with herbs, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, that's their sauce. Yeah. 
I think it's a great base to use if you want to tweak it, if uh-huh. you want to make it something else. Sure, yeah, and I have no problem with that at all. It's, I'm, you know, of course, I'm happy to. I'm, I'm happy anyone uses it for anything, <laughs> whether you eat it right out of the jar, whether you completely change it. Please, by by all means, I I appreciate it. And it's also it's you know for five ninety nine, it's real. There's real stuff in there too. Right. Um. You don't see garlic powder. You see garlic. You don't see uh, onion salt. You see onion. You don't see tomato puree. You see tomatoes. Right. You know. Um. Which is was very important to me also it should be like it came right out of a garden uh i wanted it to to be like that real good a a good high quality olive oil and um i I, and then you know and then also it's a small business in rochester so it there's not a a lot of us it's pretty much me and my girlfriend (laughs) a little (laughs) so you know i'm driving around like before i came here today i made a few deliveries you know it's me driving around spending my time my gas my fuel my car my miles you know and so 599 was it was tough to be honest with you, there, for a little while, I thought it might have been six ninety nine. Sure, but I really didn't want to do that. I wanted to keep it nice and fair, and I said, I don't need to get rich off this. You know, let's do five ninety nine. Yeah, so. and I, I think the first time I, I read about this, I, I read the read your initial story, which was very engaging and fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, you know, hearing uh, I think you put uh, somebody did a story on the radio or TV. It was on one of your shows a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and it, it really was. It's a very personal story. It is, yeah. It was. It was my grandfather, um, who I've uh, been very close to my entire life. Um, you know, my whole life, at least once a week, I was at my grandpa's all day, and it was always Sundays. Sundays were the big days, and uh, it was. He was just the coolest guy. He was really like my first best friend. He was my hero. He was somebody I really looked up to, mostly because he was. He was the first person to treat me like an adult. I've realized this later because my parents were my parents. Sure. And they were great parents. And they weren't overly strict, but there were no rated R movies. And, <laughs> you know, there was no, you know, junk food was was kept to a minimum. And, uh, you know, they had rules. And Grandpa didn't have any rules. And when Mom and Dad left me at Grandpa's, uh, HBO would get turned on. <laughs> and, you know, and, That's and great. I'd be watching HBO. And um, I wasn't allowed to watch HBO at home. We didn't have it, you know. Right. And then, but I'd be 10 years old and Grandpa, this is my parents would leave turn on hbo there'd be you know freddy krueger slicing some chick with her you know her titties are flopping out and he slices (laughs) a chick and he's go to hell bitch exactly and and i would be like (gasps) like i'm just picturing my mother sending me to my room meanwhile there's my grandpa going (laughs) how great is this paul huh freddy krueger and then you know and then and then he would go on and he would say and i don't even pay for showtime paul i paid the cable guy 50 bucks got a black box you know (laughs) And so he was like, he was cool. <laughs> to me, he was the first cool kid. Absolutely, that, that's that's phenomenal. I mean, I, I love old guys like that because yeah. they just they don't give a shit. No, at and all. they can just be the, they can just be who they are exactly. Yeah, yeah. He was so himself exactly. Like it, it, it's almost hard for me to really pour completely out what he meant to me. It wasn't just the sauce, but you just nailed it. Like he was himself. He was comfortable in his own skin. And I, like any other person growing up, I don't know if he was always like that, but I, like any other person growing up, I was full of insecurities. Still am. Oh, God. Yeah, and and I and I would and I watch him, and he had zero insecurities. There was nothing in the world that could embarrass my grandfather. Yeah, nothing. I mean, just he was just so comfortable in his own skin, and and you know there were so many things about him that I admired. He was a hard worker. Um, he he worked in a factory. He, he wasn't he wasn't particularly smart. He was, but he was very street smart, but not particularly book smart. Right. Um, and he was. For a 91-year-old man, he was I'm, – I'm pretty liberal, you know, politically. And he was so liberal that I couldn't believe it because really? he shouldn't be. He's he's supposed to be like, 
anti-gay and racist, but right. he wasn't. He loved he he was he was the anti <laughs> he was the opposite of racist, and he would loved gay wanted gay marriage legalized years ago. Like he and I loved that. He was ahead of his time. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, you, you see it so often going the other way because yeah, people, it seems like people just get scared. The, the change seems odd. It seems it's it's weird because it's so different from 50 years ago. You know, 50 years ago, the world, you know, the world and the U.S. are such different places. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is different. And people don't adjust. And that's I love hearing stuff like that. Yeah. He was just he was ahead of his time. And he was. And then, you know, come Sunday, the whole family would come over and he was the the, the center of attention. Everyone just loved him. He was loud. He was entertaining. He was the one who did. 80% of the talking over right. the dinner table. It was nonstop talking. Um, and he was a big fan of radio, sure. you know, which is why I ended up loving radio because he was a huge fan of radio. I don't, I never really talk about that part because nobody is give, nobody gives a shit what I, <laughs> what I have to say, but yeah. you know, <laughs> but for the purpose of this podcast, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was, he used to call the local radio show. He's still to, the, to, to, he died in January and, yeah. and, but got up until like two weeks before he died, he still called the local public access television station That's great. to comment on local issues and stuff. That's awesome. And so my father then loved radio, and then sure. I ended up loving radio. And it was it started with him. He was just so fascinating. He always had the radio playing, and that's how I ended up getting you know falling in love with radio myself. But the thing, the centerpiece on Sundays was the sauce, was pasta sauce, like it is for so many Italians. Right. And um, his sauce was somewhat famous because his mother had made it famous in town. I'm from a small town in Ohio and uh, during the Great Depression okay. she converted the entire yard into a garden every wow. inch of it there was no grass at all the entire yard was a garden so that because you'll notice my sauce the ingredients in, in my sauce are all ingredients that you can grow in this climate which is the same climate as Ohio, Rochester, in this climate at some point during the year. Every ingredient in there um, or at least all the you know produce portion, the vegetables um, and um she then would trade she she specialized in sauce that was the thing she got good at and then she would you know can hundreds and hundreds of jars and then trade with the neighbors who were good at other things you know there was the sauerkraut neighbor and then there was the the neighbor who uh, worked at the dairy and had milk and had eggs so they right. were just all trading stuff yeah. and her thing was tomato sauce and other she canned other things too she made like applesauce and stuff sure. but, but her thing was tomato sauce my grandpa was the youngest of eight um so all at one point he became alone. His father died young, so he was gone. So at one point he was the last one in the house. Uh, and so the workload was his mother had this tremendous workload of having to make all this sauce to trade it in the small town. And he was he was tasked with helping her because it was he talks about it. Actually, I have a video of him talking about that wow. that I'm so lucky I taped about him saying we would be in that barn all night long and I had to go to work the next day because she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't stop. She wouldn't give it up. And she used to have six people working on the line because it was all his sisters. But then it, you know, but then she just she kept the workload up and so that's how he learned it. So it was really my great grandmother's sauce. I I bill it as my grandpa's because that's how I know it. But sure. he, it's really my great grandmother who I never met. Um, and and so my grandfather had a very big garden in the backyard, and and so his his sauce was always fresh. He grew everything for that sauce, and 
Um, it was always so good, and he was always so proud of it. And everyone in town, through the years, they remembered her. Um, and then through the years, you know, all her friends died. And But then it became Pete, then was known for the sauce. He was the guy that made the sauce. And, of course, then the world changed. It became commercialized. Of and course. you could go to the grocery store and buy sauce. And it became harder to just put sauce in the store. And But I would always hear people tell my grandfather, you ought to, Pete, you ought to sell that. You know, we have this one grocery store. Pete, you ought to put that sauce in gold, at Golden Dawn. And, <laughs> and he, you know, and he would go, ah, shit, I don't know how to do that. You know, yeah. and, 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 um, I, I never paid any attention to it. I just thought, yeah, like, who would know how to do that? That seems impossible, you know? Uh, it, basically, what happened was I moved away from home. I, I missed him very much. I missed my whole family very much. I lived, I've lived. i been in Rochester for eight years, and um, at one point, I, uh, I, had, I had had that idea in the back of my head for a while. What if I did that? What if I did that? And at some point, I decided to give it a shot because... It would be such a cool thing for him as an old guy to see his sauce in the store where everyone always told him it should be and his, where his mother's sauce should have been, you know, or, or, or could have been. Um, and so I wanted to do it. And so when I first started, the whole goal was just to get it on that shelf at Golden Dawn and Conneaut. That was the right, whole point. Right. <laughs> and, and it was never about making money or about being in Wegmans or about being widespread or anything like that. But what happened was... I happen to work uh, in a place where you get some advertising. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does help. Helps you open some doors. <laughs> yeah, uh, for a guy who is uh, all about you know telling the world about my sauce for Brother Wee's, God bless him. Oh, it's it's great. He's I mean, been he's been so helpful. You know, I I've never heard. I can only imagine that he would be a really supportive guy when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, he was. He's he's very you know he's sort of anti chain. Yeah. If you've ever noticed, he, I, I would imagine he, he only supports. Like yeah, he only supports local local restaurants. He sure. hates going to chains. Goes to maybe one chain a year, and when he does, he feels good. Like he went to Applebee's <laughs> a few months ago. Yeah, and it was really funny because he came in the next day and he was like, "I'm not even going to say it on the air, bro. I'm embarrassed." <laughs> went to Applebee's. He goes, "But I will tell you one thing." It's like me and Booby is what he calls yeah. his wife. Booby. Me and Booby ate for like thirty dollars, bro. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's how it works at places like that. Oh yeah, he's like, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because he's used to paying a hundred bucks for two people to eat. Oh, goes, God. Yeah, yeah, but he's always he orders appetizers, wine, dessert. I mean, when he goes out, he goes out. Yeah, and that's pretty much every night. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I I got very lucky in the sense that it became more than just one grocery store. You know. Yeah. So sorry that was very long winded. No, I, I think it's you know I've like I said I heard some of the story. I think the depression stuff like is is really fascinating. Yeah. Because it was of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And it's. Sometimes necessity is the mother of invention. It for you had no choice if you wanted to eat. Yeah. You had to grow food. Yeah. And you know, canning, if you not you, because you know, guys don't look at Pinterest. But <laughs> if you if you go on Pinterest or your wife or girlfriend? Girlfriend. Girlfriend, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. So like my wife goes on Pinterest and you know, there's insane amounts of things about food preservation, about about uh about canning. Yeah. Well, canning wasn't. It's not cool. It's it was a necessity. Yeah. And now people treat it as a as a cool thing to do to grow your own food and make yeah. it. But and it by was, the way, that's the first thing I learned was the canning. I mean, my my grandfather and I canned tomatoes for years before it ever became a business. Yeah. Um, because I just wanted to learn from him, so I asked him, and and that was what he the first thing he taught me was how to can tomatoes. We would go and pick them at a farm, uh, where you could pick your own tomatoes. It was cheap, ten bucks a bushel to wow. pick your own tomatoes. Wow. I mean, cheaper than even what you can get them at the public market for. But yeah. You pick them yourself, but that's fun, kind of, you it know. Is. And yeah, and and so canning tomatoes, you're right. And he learned it from his mother, and it was it it was a necessity. Like my grandfather 
had a wine cellar full of canned goods. Mm-hmm. All stuff he canned himself because he just never got out of that habit of having to do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, out of the habit. And it's great because you do get fresh produce all year round. Yeah. Because, you know, upstate New York and, you know, Ohio, they suck yeah. for five months out of the year. Yeah. And yeah. if you want if you want tomatoes and you're that's what you love, yeah. you can't get tomatoes in those in the winter that are good. Yeah. You go to a place and you get tomatoes on the sandwich and they're grainy and they just taste like water. They're awful. My favorite part of, of all is on a Sunday when I'm gonna make sauce for myself, you know, for my family at home, and I pop open that mason jar of canned tomatoes. And that smell is just brings you right back to the fall when you canned it because yeah. it just preserves in there. It stays the exact same as that day when you canned it. I just love that so much. And I have a sad thing right now. Mm. Um, well, I mentioned my grandfather passed away in January. Right. And so I got all of his canned tomatoes. Wow. And I'm down to like 20 jars. Oh. And it's like sad every time I eat one. But and then I'm trying to go, well, should I not eat them? But then at the same time, they will eventually go bad. Yeah. So maybe I should eat them. Maybe I should not eat. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, not, 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 not having met your grandfather, if you told him you weren't going to eat <laughs> yeah, the tomatoes right. and let them go bad, I'm sure he would have some He'd be mad, slightly yeah. mean spirited thing to tell you. <laughs> you got to eat, Paul. Are you kidding me? You got to eat those. No, I understand what you're saying. That's very nice. But you got to eat those. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what he would there, say. There's no way he would say, yeah, you really should let that go bad in your cellar because you have enough to eat regular yeah. food and and i don't i i don't know I, I gotta do some google research on what it would look like if i just never opened a jar for years and years later would it start to look bad it would it would have to right i think it's an insane amount of time though before they really go bad because if you did it right and if you know how to can yeah it really you did preserve it in there all the bacteria are dead yeah at some point i think it does go bad but i think it's a longer time than you yeah. think he used to tell me about 18 months to, to two years, but he didn't even really know that for a fact. Yeah. And he would tell me that. He goes, I don't really know, but I th- I would say a year and a half, two years, you know. I, I don't know, but I do want to maybe keep a jar of it and just yeah. to see what happens, you know? Because I don't know. It's very it's sad. You know, it's sad watching that little collection of canned tomatoes. You know, I... I from from a person to a person, I think the sentimental thing's nice. Yeah. If you told him you were doing that, he'd probably think you were a knucklehead. You you're know? right. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't save twenty of them. You should eat the eat the damn tomatoes. Yeah, but. yeah. And they are delicious. They're right out of his garden, oh. man. Just like yeah, it's 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 very it's very nice. It's it's what I grew up with. Plus, it's a good celebration too. I mean. It is. Yeah. So so that's the origin. So the thing I I really want people to to know because. I have met some people who are strictly business people mm-hmm. and who are out to make money. And making money is nice, and I'm obviously not against that, and I would love to make money. Sure. But this really is just a, a a passion project, and it's just about love. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I, think that, I think that's what attracted me to – you know, I, I actually went out to uh, – you were doing a demo over at Constantino's. Yeah. I saw the display, and I – you know, just Twittered – you know, Twitter mentioned you. Yeah. I, I, I Thank just you stopping for that. And stopping to meet you because it's – when you find people that have passion, regardless of what they do, I think you get, I think you get a better, a different product out of it. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, it, it matters. Sure. Yeah, you know, it's it's not a, it's not about the money. I mean, we all do things not for the money. Yeah, and I I, I was in I'm in a, a couple of groups. I got to try really hard not to identify who I'm talking about. So let me sure. edit this as I go, um, because it's a, a real person locally sure. um, who owns a business. But there's a there's a a group of people that I'm friends with, I guess I'll put it that way to try and keep this person anonymous. Just say somebody in my group of friends. Sure. And uh, I've become friends with a lot of people who uh, have little businesses like mine where we're, we have a, a food item and sure. it's out and about. And there's one person in particular who was having, uh, not having a lot of success. And 
um, wasn't sure why they weren't having a lot of success. And I'll tell you off the air sure, of sure. who it is, but um, not having a lot of success and asking other people, you know, why, what do you think it is? I'm not, I'm not to, and and um, a lot of the other people in this particular group were having pretty good success or are having pretty good success. And I, I don't know. You know, I'm like, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It seems like your thing would be good and everything. Well, we fast forward a little bit. We kind of go around and talk a little bit about how we started our businesses, and everyone has stories of why. Everyone's got very good stories of why. Come to this particular person, and he just wanted to start a business, and he was just thought, saw, thought he saw a, a, a gap in the market and wanted to make some money. And I'm sure some people have had businesses that started that way, and they were successful at doing it. Absolutely. But this guy lacked passion, yeah. and I could tell because he had no heart in the game you know like his heart wasn't in it because it just no actual emotional attachment to his to his item you know what it's hard because i am i'm an engineer by trade i think very logically i believe in i believe in the numbers i believe in you know statistics yeah you know in sports when people talk about momentum i want to shoot myself in the head because it doesn't exist yeah they've done the studies it doesn't exist <laughs> yeah, right it's nonsense <laughs> and there's a lot of nonsense out there that people throw out as as, oh, I have all the feels, and I want you to do this instead of looking at what reality is. Yeah. But at the same time, when you look at how do you dedicate your time, how do you impact your own life to do something, like I'm, we're sitting in my, my office over here. I'm, I have a studio set up. I'm not making any money off this yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm doing it because I love podcasting. I love radio. I mean, you're doing the sauce because you love it. Yeah. The money's a great thing. Yeah. It's a nice thing to get, but you're stepping away from your life. You're stepping away from what you're doing to do something you care about. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That, that's, that's what means something. Yeah. That's exactly that. That's exactly what it's about. And I don't, I, I hope that I get that message across, you know, um, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I think I do. The truth is there's, you know, there's still just so many people that don't even know it exists, you know? Sure. And so my goal is to get them to know it exists. And, you know, I worry that somebody sees it on the shelf and thinks it's a marketing ploy when they see a little grandpa and a little cute kid on the front. Because it is cute. It is cute. And I, of course, meant it to be cute. And there, of course, there was thinking to that. I did sure. want it to be cute. And I do want that 45-year-old Pittsburgh woman to to grab it and look at it and think that it's cute. Yeah. I, of course, I do want that. Uh, but I want, I, I just want people to know it's not fake. You know, it's not fake. I think that's the thing, because <laughs> if you if it came from a corporation, it would come across as really derivative and manipulative. Yeah. But when it's when it's something real and there's something behind it, it's yeah. then it's cute and authentic and yeah. heartfelt. And and that's what I what I wanted to do because um here's a here's shocking news, breaking news <laughs> for the for the Food About Town podcast. Yeah. I'm not the first person to think of marinara sauce. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh the idea of coming out with marinara sauce, it was sort of like yeah, um, you know, there's already about a million of those, right? Right. Good luck with that. You know, you know, there's a company called Unilever that <laughs> makes a couple sauces here. And there. Yeah. So it was. I had to do something to be a little bit different, yeah. and I knew that. So I wanted. So I did a little bit of research. Nothing official. Just going to the sauce aisle and seeing what there was, and I saw a lot of sharp, good images. Very, very sharp graphics. A lot of executive chefs. A lot of celebrity chefs. Yep. Um, but nobody was really tugging at the heartstrings. There was there was a sauce, um, like a grandpa's sauce, you know mm-hmm. that that that's there. But there's nothing about grandpa anywhere on that jar other than the word grandpa. Sure, you know it. It was so you know it was 
it was what I was talking about. It wasn't sincere. Right. So I said, nobody's really playing off the, because we're getting to the point now where that generation, the Great Depression generation, they're dying. They're dying. Mm-hmm. It's sad, but they are. And so they're gone. And so we're left, the people who are adults now are becoming adults are our age. Uh, grew up with grandparents who grew up in the Great Depression. And so the idea of going over grandpa's house on Sundays for pasta is really something a lot of people can relate to. And so I wanted to to tap into that. And so that's why I wrote a nice message on the side of my jar about going to my grandfather's. And I put my personal cell phone number on there too. Which is, it's a crazy thing to do, by the way. (laughs) It's not as crazy as you would think. Yeah. Everyone says it's crazy. And people assume that I must get a thousand phone calls a day. I don't. Yeah. I get a manageable amount of phone calls. And almost all of them are nice and respectful. Do you screen? No. You I actually mean, answer the phone if you don't know who it is? I only screen people that I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, there are definitely times when um, somebody calls me and I don't answer it, but that's when it's someone I know. If I just see a random 585 or 716 or you know 315, I answer it because I think it's somebody who just got the sauce, and yeah. a lot of times it is. And there's been one of the greatest joys is when somebody doesn't believe that it could possibly be the guy really from the sauce. They yeah. think it's going to go to some answer. They think they're going to call the number and it's going to be like, hi, I'm Paul Guglielmo. Thanks for buying the sauce. Instead, <laughs> it's me being like, hello. Yeah. Hey, 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 what's going on? <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> you know? And so I, that's been a real joy to me and a real thrill to me. Um, because I want again, it's different. Nobody, yeah. nobody has done. I've, I, I don't know one other person who's done that. Right. So I wanted to do something different. I actually give my cell phone number on the air. I give it out on the Food see, About Town podcast five eight five three five zero five seven eight eight. Yeah. <laughs> see, I'll give you the sauce. That's I'll, that's manageable. When you start getting to the masses, yeah, yeah. I mean, this isn't the masses, but yeah. you know, Weezer show is the masses. Yeah, that's a different ball game. <laughs> <laughs> I've given my cell phone out on on the air a few times. I'll do it again. Again, it's not beyond manageable, right? Uh, the moment I do it, like when I'm in the moment and I actually give the phone number out on the air, twenty one seconds of delay go by. Oh, jeez. And then there is a couple minutes of zzz, 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 zzz. yep. Uh, but it doesn't last all day. It yeah. doesn't last, and a few people then become regulars. And and to be honest with you, I'm not the first guy to ever go on the radio before either. It's a, that's <laughs> crowded. That's a crowded market too. Insanely crowded. Yeah. If you if you want to become a popular radio personality, so the only way you can really truly do that is to connect to people. Really connect to people. So I've always been very open on the air. I've always talked about insecurities. I talked sure. about every every flaw I have, and I, I'm the only radio DJ I know also who gives his cell phone number out, and it really is my number, and I really do text back and forth with listeners every single day. Wow. And and I've been able to build a little group of, of uh, friends out of it. Sure. Of people who would, if I ever went off... So Weez is not a young man. He's over 40. He's over 40. <laughs> I'll put it that way. That's how we put it. Yeah. So there will be a day when Weez isn't around any longer, and hopefully as long as I stop eating uh, uh, like crap, I'll still be around. Yeah, and, I, uh, I, I do want, I have a couple of questions on that actually. Uh, <laughs> and and so anyway, so my my hope is that you know that I stay in radio uh, after Weez and that I can bring some of his audience whenever he does retire with me wherever I go. Sure. Even if it's just staying there, some people who will say, well, you know, I don't have Weez anymore. At least you know this guy. Maybe a portion of the old team can stay together. Right. I don't know. Whatever. Well, at least at least you're you're being real, and I think that's. Um, yeah. Before we, I, 
I do want to have a couple of food things before we transition over. Cause sure, yeah. I'm a, I'm a radiophile. I'm a radio nerd. Yeah. And I have lots of stuff to talk about. <laughs> Anything. But, um, junk food. I love junk food. Me too. I'm terrible with junk food. And yeah. I'm, I feel terrible when I eat it because I love local and fresh. And you make a local fresh sauce. Yeah, yeah. I still love junk food. Yeah, me my, too. My favorite, my absolute favorite junk food is still spicy nacho Doritos. Uh-huh. They're harder to find except for in the big bags, and I don't want to buy them because I'll eat the whole thing in one sitting. <laughs> but those are like, when I see them, those are like, oh, wow. Between that and Diet Mountain Dew. Oh, dude. Which is the most chemical-laden, worst possible thing you yeah. can drink. It's better to drink straight vodka than it is to drink Diet Mountain Dew, guaranteed. <laughs> yeah, but I still love this stuff. Yeah, you is that just because did you used to like ma- regular Mountain Dew or yeah did you, yeah? See, I I like regular Mountain Dew. Yeah, which is obviously <laughs> yeah just terrible for you. Oh God, it's the worst. <laughs> but I I still will drink a couple a week and yeah. and I, I uh, every once in a while if I'm in a bad mood or if I need a kick of energy, yeah. a, a twenty ounce Mountain Dew oh will put it can, it can seriously though it can, it's like a drug. Oh yeah, it can it can turn my bad mood into good mood. <laughs> It's a crazy thing. I drink. I drink the fanciest coffee. I, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to food, and bordering on a snob on a lot of things. I I don't drink pedestrian coffee. I drink you know nerdery <laughs> coffee, and and then I go and I drink Diet Mountain Dew, and I'm like, really? I'm doing this again? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm the same way. I sat here and I told you about all the natural ingredients on my label. Yeah. Meanwhile, I eat shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, sometimes for real. No doubt. I'm, I'm terrible with it sometimes, and it's always a struggle. Yeah. And, you know, we're two larger gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. And it's always a struggle because I'm like, oh, I really could make a great meal at home. Yeah. And now I'm I'm doing this. Yeah, and my mom always says, you know, it's a lot cheaper. Not really. It's not really cheaper to eat healthy. No. To go, we had, like, salmon the other night. We had, like, salmon and couscous and, uh, like, a, a cucumber and tomato salad. Right. And um, it's not, it doesn't break the bank. Right. It sounds delightful. But you can go to McDonald's for cheaper. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I can I can eat off the value menu for five bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I don't know. At some point, we're going to have to get over it. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do it, man. And I think it's a transition. And um, it's hard because I do eat, I do eat, I try to eat clean most of the time. Yeah. And clean, you know, people say that. And I, I think it's trying to eat is eat the local, eat the properly and ethically sourced, eat real food. Real food is that, yeah. I think that's I what people call it is real food. It's real food. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's hard to do when you're, when you're trying to do so many things. Yeah, yeah, busy. Like that's the thing about I'm busy. I've got a job, really two jobs if you count the sauce. And right, it's really easy to go through a drive-through. Well, uh, yeah, and yeah. in your when your when your morning job is stupid hours wise. Yeah, I wake up at three a.m. every day, which is insanity. <laughs> yeah, like I feel bad because I'm at work at seven thirty, and you're <laughs> you're yeah. already halfway through. Uh, your... It's almost lunchtime. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's a whole different world, and it's a crazy yeah. thing to do. Um, so. Restaurant wise, where what is your? Where, I always ask people what their favorite Rochester yeah. restaurants are. Mine's a three way tie, um, and it and they're all the same restaurant. Really, they're mm. all the exact same restaurant. When I tell you what they are, uh, I am not very fancy at all. Sure. My three favorite restaurants in town are Antonetta's, Rockies, and Roncones. Yeah, those are the same restaurant. Yeah, they're the exact same restaurant. Although, <laughs> I actually, I'm really looking forward. I haven't been to Antonetta's since it swi- switched over. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really looking forward to to going now that they've... They're kind of doing that transition from the classic to the modern mm-hmm. while still being classic. Like, they're making their own pasta. You know, they're yeah. 
executing at a higher level yeah. of classic dishes. Yeah. Yeah, Antonetta's is, um, and I left one out. It's not that it, I shouldn't compare them to the other three, but as far as sauces that I like in town, sure. other than mine, I love Antonetta's sauce. Sure. I love Papa Joe's sauce too. I think Papa Joe's makes a good sauce. Have mm. you ever had that? No, I haven't. Yeah, they they have it at Wegmans. You okay. should have that. That was the one. Um, uh, not to skip all around, but when I was doing re- you know my research, which is basically just every night I would go buy a different type of sauce. Right, right. I wanted so badly to hate every sauce, right? Oh, of course. Every, okay. I mean, I wanted to go, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Uh, but when I had Papa Joe's sauce, I went, God damn it. This is really <laughs> good. Yeah. Shit. Oh, you're really <sighs> you're doing it right, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so anyway, so I, I like that place a lot. But then, I mean, as far as nicer restaurants go, though, um, I do I do like black and blue. Sure. Um, I love a nice steak. Oh, I can't ever get over I a nice steak. I do love steak, steak and yeah. it's hard for me to go out because yeah. you can buy it's you can buy and make a steak pretty cheaply at home and do it right. Yeah. But sometimes when you go out for steak, it's just it's that pampering experience, you know? Yeah. And you get that at Black and Blue. That's sure, a, you do get the pampering experience. Plus it's a stunning restaurant. The the Italian trio that I mentioned though, those three restaurants though, so th- those are restaurants that I would never ever not be in the mood to go to. Awesome. I those so that that's my answer. What's your answer by the way? Do you go on record with an answer on Uh you know, I've got a few I've got a few places that are like my core that I I still I love right now. Um Itacate is one of them. Um, Aunt Rosie's is one of my favorites, which is um, over near Eastman School. Mm. It's a part of the Max group of restaurants. Uh-huh. Um, I love, um, and now my mind's going blank, Atlas <laughs> Eats in Arondacoy. Oh, I've never been, but Beans, uh, Brinkman, right? Is that his name? Beans, Ye- the guy who runs it? Or, uh, yeah, or least- Jerry, yeah. I'm, he might have a nickname. But Be- Beans might be his nickname. I yeah. don't, we've, we've had him up a bunch of times. I don't know if Beans is the owner or the chef. I mean, you probably know better than I do. Yeah, I mean, J- he, Jerry. Jerry's the the main guy, and he's is he kinda, owner and chef. Yeah, or? he's like the head chef, older guy, you know. Uh-huh. Um, but his daughter's part of the chef, and his wife works there in front of the house. His other daughter runs an organic farm out, uh, okay. you know, right. out in yeah. the country, and it's they do cool fixed price dinners at a lower price point, uh-huh. and then their brunch on the weekend is just so good and so affordable. It's one of the places I just can't get enough. Of. I, I've heard amazing things about that place. Yeah, for it's sure. it's a real place. Yeah. You know, it's it's a family place. Yeah, in the best possible way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there, there's some other places that I definitely go to, but those those are probably my core few. And then I, you know, I go everywhere. I'm, yeah. I'll eat anything and everywhere. Will you eat at a chain? Do you do you go to chains? I or really you... try not to. Yeah, it, it's it's hard for me to go because I know I can get better, yeah. better, cheaper. And more interesting because those places just bore me because there's nothing yeah. interesting there. No, yeah. And it, it's it's tough. Um, you know, like I will um, occasionally go for lunch to Olive Garden for soup and salad. Sure. Because um, it's cheap. They're very cheap. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm fat and they give you a ton <laughs> of it. Absolutely. And you know how when we were all 16, we loved Olive Garden salad and breadsticks? I love buffets <laughs> so much. I, I remember... Dying to go to Golden Corral for my birthdays when I was younger, and I would just I would try to extend how many plates I could eat at that year's birthday. You have to eat the amount of years you've been alive. It was easy when we were four or five. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, But anyway, so yeah, I I I, in the same way I try. I would rather not go to a chain, but I can't say that I never go. Sure, Uh, I, I end up in a chain a few times a year. I would say. Yeah, you know. 
Just it just happens, and yeah. and a lot of times you can eat there cheap. Not that you can't eat cheap locally. I mean, well, the three restaurants I named are they're like three, the three of the cheapest restaurants in town. Yeah, they so. really are. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the, the the places that I do love beyond that, like I mentioned, like El Latino, I really love the Puerto Rican Dominican restaurants, um, and I, I really love the the smaller, you know, like C restaurants, a small place. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then the you know the different Asian places. I, I work over um, uh, Lyle and Mount Reed area. And it's uh, it's like turning into a little Vietnam over there. Uh-huh. There's like three or four different Vietnamese restaurants over there, and they're all must be delish. And they are, and they're all you go in there, and there are very few white people there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, they're okay. Legit, yeah. I feel I feel good about that. And yeah. it's, when I go, I can trust that I'm eating Vietnamese food. Yeah. And it's it's nice to get that when you can. Sure. Yeah. Um. So transitioning over to radio because. I have to ask some stuff. Of course, anything so, you want to know. Yeah. So th- this morning, I I, um, I listened to I'd say two thirds of the uh, Brother Wee show. This was uh, Jim Norton's in town. I'm going to his show tonight uh, on Friday, and Opie was on, and it's it was it's always fascinating to hear them in a different context because I listen to their show every day. Yeah. And hearing them on a different show, you get a different perspective because yeah. they bring up a lot of the same topics, but it's it's different. Yeah. Um, how, you I mean, you get a lot of comedians coming through, yep, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a pretty regular basis because yeah. uh, uh, the comedy club brings a lot of people over. Yeah. Um, how is it dealing with comedians on a fairly regular basis? Most of them are very nice and very easy to work with. Uh, most, most I say. Of course. Um, there's there's a couple bad ones in which I, I hope you don't mind. I'd rather not name the. No, bad, I, I would never animals. expect that. Yeah. But uh, uh, I mean, again, I'll tell you off the air. <laughs> I just don't want it public. Yeah. <laughs> Either that I trashed some guy. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, but no, most of them are great. And to be honest with you, Jim Norton is one of the nicest. Um, there's a handful of guys who are amongst the nicest. Of course. But there's people who uh, come in and um, they you don't exist they want to talk to Weez yeah. they're ready they're here for Weez Weez is the man and uh, you know then there's people who come in and they want very much so to make sure that everyone feels special. And Jim Norton's one of those people. He comes yeah. in today, first thing he does, gives Jackie Nutt a hug. You know, Jackie Nutt used to intern yep. for them. Yep. Gives Jackie Nutt a hug, says hello to Billy, comes into the studio, walks around the studio and shakes everyone's hand, says hello to Marianne, says hello to me, says hello to Brother Weez. It's so nice to see you all, you know. And and uh, that's that. anyone who does that, to me, that's the first sign of somebody who's nice because I've realized that they break down into two groups. The group who comes in and yeah you guys get away from me you guys don't exist yeah it's me and you know wheeze is the only person important enough to talk to me <laughs> some people have that mentality yeah uh norton is not that way at all norton is very much so wanting to talk to everybody that's awesome and i gotta tell you the dynamic of being on the radio too because i'm in a in a weird position because i'm sort of third mic on the show right it's, it seemed that way yeah yeah wheeze is obviously the host of the show he's your voice you're gonna hear marianne is the co-host of the show yep and then it's sort of a radio dynamics thing but you're a radio nerd so you might get a kick out of it mm-hmm. but we like uh, uh, we we like the three mic dynamic, sure. where it's sort of like eighty um, percent wheeze, fifteen percent co host, five percent third mic. Mm-hmm. You know, third mic guy is there, you're present, but you're not overwhelming or or anything like that. Um, so you know, when you get somebody like uh, Norton in, then you get the opportunity to be on the air with them, and so. You know, I'm very much so low man on the totem pole when that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we don't have a guest in, there are times 
I'm high on the totem pole because it might be a topic that's more in my ballpark and Weez and I will, I'll sort of turn into the co-host and then other times Marianne's a co-host and, you know, when Norton's in, he's the co-host. Of course. Marianne becomes third mic and I become, don't get in the way. Right. You know, um, but with somebody like, and I guess where I'm trying to go with this is some comedians then treat the other people in the room other than Weez like they're in the way. Um, and they'll just talk right over you and yeah. go right past you. Uh, Norton, not like that at all. But then again, Norton's a radio guy. He's been doing radio for years. And that, that, that show has that particular dynamic for so many years with three guys, but they also always involve the tertiary and the other characters. Yeah. And someone our own age, when you when you listen to, uh, you listen to this show. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, Opie and Jimmy, and you see what Sam Roberts is doing, who's yeah. our age, and it's fascinating because he's such a talented guy, yeah. and he came from that fourth mic position, yeah. which is even worse because you can only chime in when it's your time, yeah. and yeah. there's no really other opportunities unless you're causing trouble. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 no, you're right, yeah. But you, when you see that, it's in, it came across on the show because he wants to hear other people's opinions, yeah. and I think it makes for the best discussions and the best radio when everybody has a chance to participate when it's the right time to do so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and Weez has a reputation for sort of flying by the seat of his pants and he does for the most part, he's making it up as he goes and that's part of his brilliance. Um, but it's not completely fly by the seat of your pants. There's a little bit of preparation to it. And before the show starts, you know, Weez says, you bro, bro, you listen to Opie and Norton, right? And I go, yeah, he goes, I'm going to need you when Opie Norton's in. Cause you know, cause he doesn't right. be a busy guy. So he says, I'm going to need you when Norton's in so you can help me out, bro. You know, you, <laughs> you know a little bit about what he's like. And I was like, you know, yeah, but you know, but Weez is just such a conversationalist that he doesn't have any problem. No. Making conversation with anybody. He's one of those guys <laughs> who can bounce between any topic. Yeah. And yeah. he'll always have an opinion. Yeah. Because that's his job. He has an opinion about everything. Yeah. And the same thing, and I know Opie's not a comedian, but the same thing with Opie, when he came in, he's extremely nice and respectful to everybody. Sure. He did almost the same thing as what Norton did. Gives Jackie Nutt a big hug. Hot, hello. And and Billy said, like, Billy and I were talking before I left. Billy is a, an assistant producer on the show. Mm -hmm. Billy said, uh, you know, how touched he is that Opie knows his name. Billy uh, Opie says, hey, hey, Billy, how's it going? You know, and, and same, deal. same thing for me. You know, he comes into the studio. We were on the air when he came in. Right. So he didn't really do a round and shake everyone's hand until the commercial break. But he says, uh, he waves at Marianne, Marianne, you know, and it's, uh, you know, and like, you know, the cool thing about Opie is being a fan of Opie is the way you are and I yeah. am is that it's funny to see Opie be a fan of someone else. Opie is a fan of Wheeze, which is interesting. Yeah. You know, which is, it's interesting to see Opie not in the position of power. Not that not that he's not, because he is Opie, and he's obviously had a monstrous career. It's phenomenal. Phenomenal. But, you know, he was an intern for Brother Wee's. Yeah. And, and you do see Opie take second to him, which he doesn't do to anybody. Right. He's Opie. He's right, exactly. number one. He's, he's number one. He's the man. That's that's his... And it's there was a it's all that stuff recently with all the drama, but yeah. he's the man for a reason, because that show works, because it's conversational, because it's... It's run seamlessly. Yeah. I mean, you think about it and other people, many people don't because it's it works so well because it's seamless because he's doing all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And you you miss the background yeah. the brilliance of how well it works. You really do. And you know, people would say uh, you know, when Anthony was still there, people would occasionally say that Opie he, he sometimes you go 20 minutes you don't even hear his voice once. Yeah. But when you would, it would be a brilliant you know, like 
changing of subject or something. Like, yeah. There would be times when Opie and Nor- uh, oh, or, I'm sorry, uh, Norton and Anthony would be riffing. And then, you know, after like 15 really hilarious minutes, <laughs> Opie would just come in and goes, you guys see that uh, Bunsen in there, that bimbo they got up there with the uh, Egypt thing, the riots yeah. up there? You know, and then, bam, 15 minutes, Norton and Anthony are off on that. Because <laughs> there was a right time to stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, it's when you listen to long form, you hear when it dies... And it gets awful, yeah. Because it does sometimes. Long form gets that way. It can, yeah. It eventually dies. But but it was but that was very cool for me as a fan of Opie's to see Opie in a position where he's with someone that he in his head considers to be over him, even yeah. though Weez is not over him. By the way, Opie had far more success than Weez had. Sure, but but Opie still, as long as Weez is on the mic is on the radio, Opie's going to see Weez as in his own head. He sees Weez as being over him. Yeah. Which is, you know, unbelievable seeing as how much success he's had. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. And it's, I loved, I loved hearing that because it is a different dynamic. And you mm-hmm. can, and I've heard him on other podcasts too. He was on, uh, you know, Robert Kelly's podcast. And I heard him on, uh, you know, Joe Rogan when he's there. When he takes that step back for people he respects and people he, he enjoys and loves, yeah. it's, I think he's he's a different version because he can be. Let me give you something that you're going to nerd out over oh, God, that was yeah. so friggin' cool that <laughs> happened off the air with Opie in studio yeah. that I think I don't think he would mind me saying. Uh, after he talked about Anthony sure. and Greg Shells, and he did he did about five or six minutes on it, addressed it and sure. everything. He uh, we went off uh, we went to commercial. And uh, we sort of was like, bro, I hope you don't mind. You know, I, I, everybody, people texting in, everybody kind of wants to know, you know, a lot. Of, and Opie goes, no, you know what? A lot of people have tried to get me to talk about it. And if I'm going to give that to anybody, it's going to be you, uh, you know, because I think he was contacted probably by a lot of people who wanted to interview him or something. Oh, I'm sure. I, who knows? I mean, who knows who contacted him? But, right. but it, you know, it was interesting hearing him say, like, if I'm going to give that to anybody, it's going to be you. And Weez being like, well, I appreciate it, bro. You know, like it, it didn't to Weez. Weez is like, yeah, that's all right, bro. You didn't have to do that. Yeah. And in my head, I'm going like, that's so cool that Opie like, oh yeah, decided to choose our show to talk about it again. You know, you know, and it it, <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, but it's it's comfortable. It's because it's it's the same kind of thing. It's real, and that's something you can't hide if you're a real person, and you you want just to have real conversations. Yeah, people love real conversations. When it's obvious, it's real. Yeah, and yeah. you you sit down and, and you listen. It's a real conversation. You're real yeah. people. Yeah, and that's <laughs> yeah. that. That's the stuff that it always gets me. Yeah, and those are the comedians I love. Yeah, you know, I mentioned you know Robert Kelly and uh, you know guys like that. You they're they're real people. Yeah, they can't help but just be themselves. Yeah, I and love that. I know you like Robert Kelly a lot, and and in the studio we're in, he's got Rich Voss, a signed CD from Rich Voss. Yep. And, uh Rich is another guy. Rich is an you know a lot. Know about you know a lot about Rich, yeah, right? Absolutely. Rich is an interesting guy. Rich is uh, at least to me, my perception as just a producer for Brother Wee's. My perception on Rich is that he's actually, believe it or not, a really nice guy. He really, he does seem like a really nice guy. <laughs> yeah. And I listened to his show a few times, and he's he's a really nice guy. It just he is who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he does he does he is a little bit of a dick sometimes. <laughs> he's a little bit of a dick, 
But you don't. But he's not an, actually a dick. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he is. And you know, I've spent a few hours with him just by default by being in that studio. Right. And uh, it's not that he's spending time with Paul Guglielmo. He's spending. T- you know, he's promoting his show. I just happen to be in the room. Right. But but I but at the end of the day, I have spent hours with Rich Voss in my right, life. Right. Right. And he is a nice guy. And he is. It's really sweet. I don't know if you ever watch Women Aren't Funny. I, I've I watched part of it. I have to rewatch it again. His wife's documentary. If you watch that, you see Rich be a little bit more of a husband and a dad. Yeah, and you see that he is a nice guy. The cover's blown. He's a nice guy. <laughs> and uh, you know what was really a, a cool moment I had with Rich Voss was he had come in studio right when that came out. Yeah, and he had brought a copy of it, one copy to give to Weez. Right, and um, he gives the copy to Weez, and uh, you know. I don't remember who, you know, it came up that like, oh, I want to see that. I want to see, it. you know, everyone's sure, sure. like, oh, oh, dude, I want to see it. We, you, you give it to me after you give it to me after you're done. And Voss is like, yeah, I'm sorry. I only brought one. You guys just pass it around, you know. And that night I went home and I uh, bought it on Amazon right. and watched it. And then came in the next day because it was a Thursday. And I came in on Friday and I told him, say, I watched a movie last night and, uh, you know, it was great. And he goes, you didn't buy it, did you? And I go, yes, I bought it. And he goes, ah, oh, man, I'm so, you know, I'm sorry about that. And I was like, no, dude, it's. I wanted. I'm happy to have bought it. You know, yeah. I wanted to, and and he had a moment where he was very genuine, where he thanked me. He was like, because I, I said to him, I said, I want you to make money on it, right? I I, I don't want to rip you off yet. I want to see the movie, and you put time and work into it. I'd like for you to make my couple bucks. And he really took a second to like look at me and not be Rich Voss, the dick, for ten seconds, <laughs> and go. He went. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah. You know, and it was it was in, it was nice. It was he was very real. Yeah, I think I think that does come across. You know, it's because yeah. it, it's a caustic environment. Yeah. And that's just brought in by that style of comedian. You know, the Louis C.K. style. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Colin Quinn. All those guys. They're they're ball busters. That's yeah. that's how they live their lives and how they associate with their friends. You yeah. Know? You're you're um on your shelf you've got the CDs we've mentioned Robert Kelly and Rich Voss and yeah. of course Norton, but the fourth one then you have is Joe DeRosa. Yeah. And Joe DeRosa is another one of the really nice guys. And DeRosa is a little bit different than the other guys in the sense that DeRosa, who I think is a somewhat big deal, I mean, sure. a big deal for comedians, uh really seems like he he really Treats everybody like an equal, like the other guys, but he really seems like somebody you could be buddies with. Yeah, absolutely. He he really, when he's sitting in the studio and he's telling stories and stuff, he's really kind of doing it like you know, elbowing everyone around him, like right, 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 you know, like right, <laughs> you know. And he's just very, he's making eye contact with everyone. And like I told you, some guys that only look at Weez, yeah, and they never look to their left or their right at Marianne or myself mm-hmm. ever. All of those guys are very much so, you know. Joe DeRose is going to look to his right if I say something. He's going to look to his left if Marianne says something. He's going to, you know, it's it's like that. I, I, you know, I think, you know, again, nerding out from, you know, hearing about the the way they do it when they're all hanging out because they're all at a table. They're all busting balls. They're all going around and having each other take their turns and everybody gets their thing. Yeah. So you you don't, you you can't steal the whole table because everybody's going to call you on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and it's weird because you see all the nonsense that went down with Derosa and Anthony and all that stuff. Yeah. But he was one of the guys when I I met him at the comedy club here. Um, he was one of the few because every they're all busy, they're all going to shows, they're all, they're all traveling back. He's one of the guys where I actually talked to him for a minute, and he engaged with the people at the show when afterwards. You know, Norton can't do that. He he's gonna be nice, he'll say hi. I don't expect him to 
say, oh, you're such a nice guy. Let's let's talk for a while. <laughs> yeah. That would be you know insane. Yeah. Well, DeRosa, you know, was after he sat down for a second. He talked to my wife and I, and he engaged because we were we're comedy fans. We loved it. Yeah. And he put on a great show, and it was great to talk to him for a minute. And he really yeah. did engage. Yeah. And you could see great. that because he, as a person, he's an he's an emotional guy. He cares. Yeah. Yeah, he does. And having yeah. listened to his podcast, he he really cares about things. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you've had such good experiences with those guys because those are some of the best guys that you got up there. Yeah, and yeah. it's, you know, I love I love comedy, I love radio, and um, it's uh, it, it's great to get some inside baseball because it's yeah, yeah, it's I love this. Yeah, well, I would answer anything you wanted. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking of times guys have been dicks. Most for the most part, they're just dicks by not even acknowledging you exist. Yeah, you know, and, and it's easy <laughs> to do if you're on the road all the time and there's so many terrible shows you have to go on. Yeah, and I'm sure you get beaten down in your mind and soul. They're tired. You, you, yeah, I get that. I do get that. But I've had guys before tell me like, "You don't tell like you don't like I'll, uh, I, like a lot, my job as a producer is I get them in, I get them mic'd, I get them, uh, I tell them where they're gonna be and how their mic right. works, and and I uh, put their headphones on and show them their volume and everything, right. and you know just technical stuff. It literally it takes thirty seconds. You Which know? I, I do feel bad. I forgot to do. I have headphones here. I forgot <laughs> to put them on today. <laughs> do these work right here? I'm putting yeah. them on for you. Oh, they do. Yeah. Hello, hello, hello. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but anyway, I've had guys before who uh, I might tell them, uh, start to tell them, and they just kind of like look up at me, almost like, "Dude, don't talk to me." Oh, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you specifically, you know, after. Yeah. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, couple couple guys. Yeah. And it, it can it, you know it can color a lot of people's opinions because they see the bad behavior and they forget about how many great people are out there that just want. They really just want to engage and have a good time. Yeah. And it is a profession. It's work, but if it's fun, it's fun. Yeah. If whether it's work or not. Yeah. You know, making the sauce, taking it back. Yeah. yeah. Making the sauce, it can be, I'm sure it can be hard work and it yeah. is hard work, yeah, but yeah. it can be fun too because you get to talk to all these people. Yep. You get to relate to everybody. Yeah. I enjoy the part of the sauce. I enjoy one of the parts I enjoy the most is the deliveries. It's a pain in the ass. But every time I stop at a store, I get to stand there and have a conversation with the people there. I've made so many friends through this. Sure. And good connections too, by the way, because I my sauce is in like eighty four stores. So I know like eighty four decision makers at wow. businesses. And that's a an interesting like thing to have in your resume just Absolutely. in case. Just in case. You never know. I mean you know, say the say I got fired tomorrow from radio, and say the sauce thing didn't work out. People stopped buying it. You know, that's got to be a skill that somebody would employ. You know, go to some distribution company and say, "I've got some relationships you might be interested in." You know, yeah. Um, and it's 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 weird when you start thinking about that stuff when your when your secondary has value, mm-hmm. and it's something I've I've done some thinking about. Like, where where does the secondary go? You know, how how much can the secondary encroach on your regular life? Yeah. Yeah. And how much can you put into a secondary? Yeah. You know, we, I'm sure you think about that too. You mean yeah. you're, you're well, burning the candle at both ends. Are you talking specifically about like this podcast? Yeah, not the podcast, but like the writing and the the relationships I have with people in the industry. Yeah. Because you, you get to know people and there's there's things you think about wanting to do. Yeah. And you know, how much time can you dedicate? How much can how much can you go into something like that? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's tough, but you know, the cool thing about the podcast is, you know, I don't know if you. I'm sure you've thought about this, and but sure. you know, look, you know, go grab yourself a sponsor or two, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then all of a sudden they're writing you a check, and uh, that's not bad. Well, I think that's <laughs> something I'm I'm probably going to start working on soon yeah. because I've I'm putting my time in. I'm trying to do it more regularly. Yeah, 
getting interesting guys in here like you. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry if I'm shitting up the joint. Uh, I think we've done pretty well. I think you, you've done a couple minutes of radio and uh, talking here and there. Uh, Dude, uh, we could... Um, uh, what was I going to say about sponsoring... Um, God, you just don't give me credit for being on the radio, and I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Teaches me for opening my mouth. Never yeah. mind. Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> okay, never mind. I was going to say, as far as sponsorships go, you could definitely get you know a, a sponsorship. You need to uh, get your like statistics in order. You know, yeah. Figure out how many hits you're getting. Uh, get your hits up, and, right. then, and then that's tangible. Then it becomes tangible. Then it becomes, I'm getting whatever the number might be, 100, 500, 1,000. I'm getting this many hits every week. Um, that's worth this amount of money. Right. I can tell 100 people about your restaurant for X yeah. amount of money. And I think that's, that's something I'm working on, being the consistency. And it's the hardest thing for somebody that does a real does a full-time job on the side yeah. is getting that consistency down. Yeah. Getting it once a week so you can build an audience. Because you don't, if you're not doing it every week, yeah. people forget. You're right about that. It does need to be, you need to be on top. You need to be doing at least once a week, I think. And everybody yeah. I want to talk to, yeah. they are Busy, yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, that's the <laughs> hardest part, and you're yeah. you're starting to get that. But yeah, I got I got nothing to do. <laughs> Actually, you know, when I leave here, I really have nothing to do. I mean, I gotta be up pretty <laughs> early tomorrow morning, but I'm leaving here, and I'm gonna get some dinner, and I'm gonna go home. I've been up since three o'clock this morning, yeah. now, so I'm gonna go the fuck to bed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excuse my language. No, exactly. It's, it's the right time to do it when you're <laughs> up at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and then get to an early start tomorrow. But I'm I'm so I'm so excited to be like done for the day. Awesome. It puts me in a good mood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure we could keep on talking forever. And yeah, I'm sorry. I know you got stuff to do. No, could... and, and you know, I'm I'm really I'm glad you came over. Yeah. Um, because we talked for a little while at Constantino's, but I I, I kind of figured we would have a good time doing this. Yeah. Um, and if you're interested, I'd love to have you back sometime, especially when I'm when I'm struggling to get other people in around Rochester. And yeah. Well, I, you know, your listeners might get sick of me, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I would be my pleasure. It was no, a lot that'd be of fun, awesome for sure. And um, yeah, so. Wrapping back up, um, so Paul Sauce is in 84 stores, including Wegmans. Yep, Wegmans would be the big one. Uh, and then, um, depending, mostly Rochester area, Finger Lakes, um, uh, uh, a little bit of Buffalo, um, Northeast Ohio, but for the most part, Rochester, uh, uh, I would say Hart's Local Grocers, Constantino's, Wade's. Uh, Ammon's Farm Market, the Rubinos. I could. I don't want to list all eighty four. Yeah, here but if you know, you go to Wegmans, you want to buy it, or you want to go to an independent store uh, like Hearts, or mm. you know, uh, or I think you you mentioned like the new R's Market, and yeah, they open on Monday actually. That's awesome. Yeah, the new R's. I was just in there. Yesterday, I delivered sauce for yeah. the first time. And uh, were you in the old one? Uh, once or twice, yeah. He's so the cool thing, I can give you a little scoop. Ooh, that was <laughs> so he's adding prepared foods nice. um, because that's where you make money. Sure. Because there's not a you know 30% markup for the most part on retail groceries. So um, he's adding a prepared foods, gonna have subs, wraps, um, soups, uh, a decent little meat section and everything. But um, it's, excuse me, similar to the old setup. But back where the sausage was, he uh, allocated about half of that space to being able to make food. So he's hoping to do a good lunch business, nice. which I think he will. I'll go there for lunch next sure. week for sure, at least to give it a try. Um, so I get I got to tell you a funny off the air story about mm. that place. Absolutely, there's so many things I'm afraid I can't. I don't want to. You bank know, I, it's the same. I don't. It's it's <laughs> it's easy to say something stupid, but it's 
most of the time it's better just to yeah just to cut yourself off a little well bit. here you know what i'll say i'm gonna say it but i'm gonna sugarcoat it i'm there gonna say go. it but i'm gonna sugarcoat it uh he's uh, his name is kevin herrick okay the guy who owns the place he bought it he was a he used to own hogan's hideaway okay on park avenue and he um was a, a a customer of ours market and didn't want to see it go. And mm. what's funny is, so were Jason and Sarah, the previous owners. Mm-hmm. They were customers who ended up buying it. And now this guy's a customer who ends up yep. buying it. Um, but anyway, so he's done a great job. It looks beautiful in there, and he's an extremely nice guy. And I am so thrilled that he's going to carry the sauce. But I invited him to come on the food show. Sure, <laughs> he turned it down. Oh, geez. and I thought oh, that that was, and I thought that that was. I, I said to him, I was like, you, sh- you sure it is like a 10-minute ad for your... And he right, was, and you don't have to pay anything. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I'm just really busy, which he is. Of course he is. Yeah, sure. I'm not saying he's not. Um, but like we're... Every, yeah, I, I yeah, 10 minutes is really not a big imposition. Especially on Wham 1180. That's a 50,000-watt station with, in, right. its, in its bad times... Still, thousands of listeners. Absolutely, it's ba- poorly rated time. I mean, I've listened to I listened to I've listened to another food show. It's on another AM station. That's on the weekend, and like it's not nearly as professionally produced. And I've ran I ran into people everywhere that listened to it when I got on there for like half an hour. Uh huh. Yeah. And you get so much feedback. You're like, oh yeah, I forget people still listen to am radio yeah yeah you'd be surprised yeah yeah i mean that people you know because they're news junkies or something oh yeah um yeah i i would i would a little bit of advice that i think is sort of common sense anytime someone offers you free advertising take it (laughs) don't turn it down yeah exactly so when he was he turned me down i was like i i didn't i was like okay 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 i guess it's fine i hope you sell some more of the sauce yeah i was like all right i mean i'm still gonna give him a nice plug tomorrow absolutely on the show because he's opening up and he is a great dude and i think it's great what he's doing but i was a little perplexed as to why he didn't come on he said it was because he was busy and he is yeah you know and it's it's not wrong but yeah Still, free advertising is you got to you got to crowbar that in. It's a great price. <laughs> you got to you got to crowbar in any opportunity. Absolutely, I've I've been lucky enough to have a couple TV stories done on me. Yeah, and this one time, Maureen McGuire from Channel Eight called me, and mm-hmm. that's the story you were talking about—the most recent one to air. Yeah, yeah. She ended up doing a beautiful piece on me. I was in Canandaigua at like twelve thirty, delivering sauce, tired, you know, just wanted to get through my day, and she wanted to know if at two o'clock I could meet her at the factory where the sauce is made, all the way over in Bergen. Wow. You got to just go do it yeah. because it's so valuable. Oh. So valuable. You got to do it. You got to put it. This one guy just runs a podcast out of his living room in Arondacoit. <laughs> and he was like, Yeah, exactly. You got to do everything you can do. Yeah, you just got to do it. Yeah, do it. yeah some, some moron is spending his own money on equipment and not making any money off of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's all right. You know. But, um, but anyway, yeah. So um, I don't. Like, really, I could just sit here and keep we, going. We so could go forever. Right. So we're gonna cut it off for today. Um, do you have? A, is there a website for the sauce? Yeah. It, um, I am not a marketing genius, yeah. so it's Googleyamo sauce, which is funny because you can't spell, pronounce, or remember Googleyamo. Right, of course. So I'm an idiot. So you can go to polysauce.com. There you go. Poly with a Y or I E. Either way, you'll well still done. get there. Good job. <laughs> yes. Um, so make sure you try out the sauce. I tried it out. It's it's a very good base. You should definitely try it out. And it's something you should have in your cabinet because we all need quick meals. Thank you. And um, it was great talking to you. I hope to talk to you again soon, buddy. Dude, thank you so much. This was awesome, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. And now we're done. Thanks. Bye. (laughs)